1: This is the 3CR Garden Show and I'm Virginia Haywood. The show has been quite dramatic this morning. We have had a case of the flu, a broken arm, a case of COVID, but very luckily both Jane Tonkin from Tonkin Bulbs and Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery have leapt into the breach. Thank you, Jane.
2: You are most welcome.
1: <laughs> and thank you, Craig.
2: It's a pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah.
1: And we were up quite late last night, of course. Indeed. A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was very, very exciting.
2: Yeah, the texts were flying thick and fast.
3: Indeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I fell asleep to the text messages going off. I thought, I can wait. but <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> And we've had some beautiful weather and our gardens are looking rather wonderful, I think.
3: Yeah, yesterday was absolutely beautiful. I actually sort of have, was lucky and had the afternoon off in the city to go and see Lohengrin. Um, with my mother-in-law, and just the the whole city was a buzz because it was so sunny and beautiful, and
2: um, so that was a fantastic afternoon. It's it's been an autumn like no other. It has. I, I don't think I've experienced an autumn so beautiful.
3: Oh, the colour in the dandy If yeah. you get it, if you're going out today, head to the dandy Craig will be open when he gets home. Um, and you can see all this amazing colour. I think, I agree with Craig, it's one of the best autumns that I've seen in colour. Like, the difference in all the liquid ambers yep. that you see the, is just fabulous. So. And
2: the uh, self-sown palmatums, Japanese yeah. maples. Yeah. Even my maples in the shade have got colour. the colouring yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You can't go past a Japanese maple. And, and,
2: and if you go down to Periander, there <laughs> is um, Campanula perillatus. Which is just glowing. It is incredible. That might be need a visit. I think
1: this, and this is a tree. No,
2: should be, but it's a shrub. Shrub. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, I have to say, well, what you need for beautiful colour is sun and cold, and And dry and dry. Yes, exactly. And we've had it this year.
2: Yeah. Plus, we had rain earlier in the season, so that the trees had a a lot of leaf.
1: Mm. Yep. Because I had a very dry autumn.
2: Yeah, I thought it was normal this year. I thought it was a normal Melbourne year as opposed to the last three years where we've been spoilt with summer rain.
1: Well, we were spoilt this year. I mean, it was so wet in November when my tree came down that we couldn't chop, chop it up. We couldn't mm-hmm. get the machinery in. I yes. mean, so we had a very wet late spring. And that, of course, really bulks up the trees because mm. it gives them nice deep water.
3: And I think from then we had a nice dose in January, mm. but then it got really dry. Like Craig's saying, it's, that's kind of normal for yeah. us up in the hills and Melbourne for but is autumn.
1: It, is it not that we used to get autumn rains and the last six, seven years we just haven't? That's how I remember
2: but it. It doesn't mean that's accurate. I always think of Melbourne being dry up until the
3: end of March. Yeah, I, I sort of agree, I think, yeah. on my experience as well. Of Because when you're looking at autumn flowering bulbs and things, like your belladonna's and zephyranthes and things like that, it's that rain in January mm-hmm. that we always tend to get um, that promotes those sort of flowering times. And, you know, they're out in sort of full sun during the February, March, and then it starts the mm-hmm. rain. Um, but I mean, we've we've been lucky the last couple of years, haven't oh. we? You've <laughs> been spoiled. Yeah, it's yeah. been
1: absolutely wonderful. I mean, yeah. I spent years planting all these things that were completely dormant over the summer, so that they would survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the drought was so vicious, and now I don't even think about it. I planted a well, hundred little daffodils.
3: Oh, fabulous. Yeah, right. Did you do little groups of mixed ones or did you do... No,
1: all one sort. Rachel gave me, a, from Tesalars, Tesla, yep. gave me 100 miniature daffodils.
2: She's beautiful. What, what On my birthday. Tate-a-tate or...
1: No, an unusual one I haven't grown before, okay. which she said was wonderful. Yeah. Okay. And you can you can still be putting daffodils in, and I have to say Tesalars have got some fabulous ones. It's not too late, but you need to be moving. Mm. Yeah,
3: because the I noticed the other day because... Jane's behind on planting. Um, the root bases are swelling on things like daffodils and things. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you get them in, you're not going to damage that basal plate. Um, so maybe even trip to Teslas and see what they've got of end of stock things there today as well and get,
2: get gardening. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. And Absolutely.
2: get them in deep.
3: Yes. Sorry, yeah, Craig, how deep? <laughs> <laughs> they, they need to be at least two inches deep if not. Um, a little bit more. I of, would say yeah. a little bit more. Yeah.
2: I would say that the deeper you put them, the, the more they're likely to flower. Yeah.
1: And they if you don't put them in deep enough, they work up. But, of course, if they work up, what you do is you just, the next year you put them back
2: in down
3: deeper. Yeah. deeper.
2: Yeah. I think it's the consistency of temperature from a deep planting that...
3: Exactly, and a lot of um, well, a lot of plants and bulbs specifically. If you can have that consistent temperature, like that's why a lot of things do better in the garden rather than in a pot, because mm-hmm. we always tend to keep the pot too hot, or and then water it, and things steam and stuff. So, the other trick is that if you've got pots and you're worried about losing them in the garden, you plant the pot and just leave the lip of the mm. pot sticking up, so you know where it is. Yeah, I um, always
2: think bulbs and pots require skill. Yeah. And, Particularly and, uh, over the dormancy.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably, you know, my advantage there is that because we do it commercially, everything gets lifted each year mm. that is dormant over the summer, so you don't have to worry about those um, massive rains that we have had and then hot steamy days and things that... Of
1: um, course, we are definitely getting more
3: steamy. Yes, yeah. Well, this year with the humidity was dreadful. Yeah, and And, that's only going to get worse, I think, with climate change The
2: insects were phenomenal. Oh, mozzies and... And aphids and every sort of aphid on the book I've had Mm -hmm. in my garden. Yeah. Fortunately, I I don't get too excited about them, but (laughs) if if you did get excited about them, then you'd be out there with the chemicals.
1: (laughs) Yes, well... The problem with the chemicals, of course, is you then get rid of the beneficials, which becomes problematic.
2: And, you know, the chemical solution is so short-term. Mm. It, it, you know, it knocks off this batch of aphids and then once it's worn off, the next batch comes. Come in, yeah. yeah. Yes. It's and much better to say, oh, well, it's got aphids this year, you know. It's going to be a bit of a struggle for it.
1: And, get, and you can, I mean, I go around squeezing.
2: Yeah. I put yeah. on a
1: thin glove and just go around squeezing. Yeah. I mean, I kill them that way.
3: And that makes it's sense. quite therapeutic for you, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> and, and as we as we mentioned, Ra- who you want to squeeze? Rachel gave you these beautiful daffodils for your garden for your birthday. For
1: My birthday, just
3: for everybody out there. Ginny had a very special birthday this week. So, from all of three CR um, to you, Virginia. Thank you for your wonderful, wonderful time here and what you do for the show. And happy birthday! Thank you very much. I think
2: she's been spoiled enough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And you, you've got some news maybe, Jim, for well, us?
1: Well, also, my, my birthday present to myself was a ticket to London. So I'm rather excited. I'm going on Tuesday. Yay. Yeah. And, you know, having spent 20 years there, a lot of my emotional life is there. Sylvie was born there. I, yeah. So not being able to go back
3: yeah. has been painful. So what's your most exciting thing you're going to do, do you think?
1: Uh, visit a garden or three.
3: Oh, good. <laughs> and, uh, any in particular that we well, should know about?
1: Well, in London, I particularly want to go to Kew Gardens. Yeah. I usually manage to go a couple of times. I live on exactly the opposite end of London to that. I'm in the northeast and it's the, the southwest. But um, London is one of those classic cities where most of the public transport just heads for the centre. Yep. But there is an overground line for me. And of course, I want to be getting on the overground because of COVID. I'd rather not go underground. Yep. And it goes all the way around. It's quite a long... So fabulous
3: but, views along it's, the way. It's though.
1: lovely. I love trains because you can look into the back gardens of everybody. Mm-hmm. I remember catching... The only thing
3: is you can't stop. No, you can't stop. <laughs> That's
1: true. But I caught a train in Alaska and I was looking at these lovely gardens and I was thinking, isn't it weird how they had these lovely gardens stretching down and then there was this wide green patch that ran across all of them. And then when we got the end of quite long way to the end of this garden on the train, suddenly I realised why. They, they had planes parked there. They have more planes oh. in Alaska than anywhere else in the world. Oh, right. There's
2: private planes.
1: Private planes. Because, well, where, the, where Parliament is, the capital city, there's only six miles of road. The only way to get in is by, by plane or by boat. Wow. It's a weird place, Alaska, but it's very exciting and it's got fabulous wildflowers and the hugest insects I've ever seen.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it makes our mozzies look really tame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And all this stuff about getting rid of mozzies, you know, they're important also in the ecosystem. I mean, the native orchids, some of them need
3: Mozzies yep. for pollination,
1: you know. People keep wanting to invent something that'll destroy yep. every mosquito on earth. Not a good idea. Bees and
3: wasps and things like that that do our native orchids as well. Mm-hmm. So, when you sort of talk about those chemicals to get rid of your aphids and things like that, well, yeah, you've got to be careful of our native bees and wasps and things mm-hmm. that, that do all that good stuff to keep all those sort of conservation progress, programs and things going as well. So. Well,
1: the tree that fell down that I couldn't get rid of, I've kept the stump. And the reason is because it's got so much clay and the blue bandits are using it. And Wasn't the, there a
3: part of it? And the tartalots. That was exciting that day.
1: I have never had – I've had padelots in the garden, but I've never had them resident. And so if now, anyone
3: out there has, you know, Google padelote because it is one of the most magical birds. They, they live their, their lives up in the treetops, but they nest in holes in the ground.
2: And they're exquisite.
3: Yeah, and make this beautiful sound. So We're sending like twitches this morning. But, um, well, love them. Well,
1: mm. my garden when I moved in had no small birds. And thanks –
3: There's lots now.
1: Thanks to the salvias –
4: Mm. and the grevilleas Greville, yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: i have planted so many salvias and so many grevilleas the grevilleas i struggle with every now and again at the moment one of the best has got red spider mite which i think is most unreasonable is that the one down by the dam yes yeah. and i think yeah. it might have to go to god because of that but mm. i've been resisting and resisting because it's so beautiful and it's so big but the salvias I mean, I have a salvia in flower every single day of the year, so there's always something for the birds. Yep. And it's just fantastic. And even really ordinary ones like Coriugata, you know, it's such a fabulous blue. and I've got it scattered all over
3: the place Mm. because the birds love it. And easy to propagate too, Mm. aren't they?
2: Probably not so ordinary for a lot of gardeners.
3: Yes, yes. Coriugata. No, Mm.
2: (laughs) it's just not the ordinary one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and well, and one that is not ordinary is bululato, mm-hmm. uh, which is three different shades of blue in the one flower. It's just, and they're only small, but they're absolutely beautiful and the birds love them and the bees love them.
2: So. Cor- yeah, it's flowering on my nature strip at the moment, Bululato.
3: Mm. So do you sell a lot of salvias yeah. too? I do. Yeah. Okay i try what and would pick you, out the odd ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give people a different range. What yeah. would you, you sort of recommend to most Melbourne gardeners then?
2: Um, at the moment, I'd be using the winter flowering ones.
1: Well, Lucantha white. I love that.
2: Yeah, and Lucantha. And the, 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 the dark form of Lucantha, which is not an unusual one, but it's it's a performer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anthony Parker.
2: Anthony Parker, yeah. Mm. Um,
1: Lucantha is, Mexica- is a Mexican, Salvia Lucantha is a Mexican Salvia.
2: Yeah, Bethelii, which, you know, we have lots of hybrids, but not many people seem to grow the species for some reason. Mm. Which I've, are a lot cooler. Yes.
1: <laughs> I've got pink icicles, which is, I think, a little bit of Bethelii. It and, is. And it's got, it's got a huge pale pink flower. I mean, yeah. it's such a big flower, and it's just coming out.
2: And and what's the other one? There um, with the beautiful deep, rich red flowers, same group.
1: Oh, Jesnerifolia.
2: No. No? No, it's a hybrid. Um, it'll come to me in a minute.
1: Um, and, of course, I've <laughs> the other thing I've got is tequila, which is 15 foot high, no. and I keep trying to take it out and yeah. get rid of it, and it just comes back. It's red and black, which I presume is why it's called tequila, and it's, it's just massive.
3: So you have to prune that back every year, obviously. Yes, and mm. I try
1: and every now and again I get sick of it because it's so big, and I try and take it out... I said this to Stephen one time when he came to visit and he was absolutely horrified because he, he nurtures it and keeps it going. Timboon. Timboon, of Did course. you yeah. You only
4: had
2: until 9.15. Yeah. <laughs> timboon's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's one of my favourites. I remember my first open garden, I had a big empty patch in the garden and Salvia Meg arrived with two timboons and said, put these in, you need something to fill that space. Yep. <laughs> and... They're still there.
3: Because Sylvia Meg, she goes to all of those little rare plant shows and things with the Sylvia Society. And she doesn't go as often, often anymore.
1: But the Salvia Society, she's very much part of it. And, yep. and it's, um, it has
3: got most of what we want. Yeah, great, mm. great opportunity to pick up some of those different mm. salvias and things as well. Absolutely. And,
2: and at the Fernie Creek Fair, I noticed that their, their plants, like the look of them had improved a lot someone someone's been growing them and then they're, they're not sort of big long floppy things in pots anymore yeah which is really good that's good yeah yep. because
3: you know that the root base is going to be a bit better too yep. and
2: so i was very pleased i they always have something interesting to buy
1: and, and the other thing that is absolutely stunning in my garden at the moment is the cape honeysuckle do you two know that one
3: I might Enlighten like us when I'm, you turn the photo around. I'm just me.
1: going to. I've got it here. I've <laughs> I've got a photograph of it. Oh no, I can't
3: find it. Come on,
1: up you come, and it's it's usually orange as an orange plant. You definitely know it because it's everywhere as an orange plant, and okay. it's it's a South African. It's beautiful. climber, well sort of climber,
2: mm. it's semi-climber
1: semi-climber, Tacoma or Tecumaria Capensis, it's in Bignoni Yeah. and it's a scrambler and in my garden it must be 10 foot high and it's absolutely vivid yellow at mm-hmm. the moment, a really soft, beautiful yellow, strong yellow, yep. but you know, some of the daisy yellows have got a very hard edge, it's, there's nothing hard about
3: it, and it just glows yeah, A lot um, of people have a A problem with yellow in the garden. There's a lot of people that sort of go, Yeah, I don't like yellow. But on those winter mornings um, when it's foggy and cold and things, something like that, as Ginny's saying, just glows. Often yellow is a really, really good addition to a winter garden,
2: I think. It is folly to dismiss a whole colour group.
3: Yeah. (laughs) But... but... (laughs) But people do. No, my garden's only white. Yeah, but I was thinking okay. about
2: this this Cape Honey cycle, Virginia. You need to put um, Tibuchina laxa through it. Oh, absolutely. Which is also flowering now. Now, that's yeah. a
1: really good idea, actually, because yeah. I have got Tibuchina
3: in the garden. Yeah,
2: laxa, though, the semi-climber right. that would scramble through it.
3: Do you have it? Yeah, I do. I will p- procure one. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more because I don't know that.
2: Tibuchina laxa is a semi-climber. So the flowers are about the size of a fifty cent piece, Mm -hmm. small flowers. Needs support. It's obvious that it's a Tibushina when you know, but at first glance you might not pick that because it still has the same deep green pleated leaves. And what is the flower? Oh, it's purple. Great. Yeah, so purple and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's a good plant. And here, I look, I'm sitting here looking at this ABC gardening magazine sitting in front of me and they've got an article about chooks and they have one of those dreadful modern hybrids. You know, when, when, when I look at, at period dramas on the TV, I always judge their quality by the breed of poultry they have hanging around. Yeah, whether there's and Sussex whatever, or Ice Browns or <laughs> yeah. something, you know, appalling. And, and these things, you know, you buy these hens which shouldn't even be sold and, and they lay for two years and then they live for ten so, <laughs> so, you, so you're saying they're You, you have a total of eight years feeding the thing because you don't have the, the, the strength to wring its neck.
1: That is the Cape Honeysuckle when it's the normal one you um, see. You see yep. it growing all over the place.
2: And yeah. my, my little leghorn bantam hens are now seven years old and, and they're still laying, laying every second day. Yep. And they're just having a break now because they're molting. And then by the middle of winter, they'll be firing up again and I'll have eggs. Mm.
3: Well, there's some great
2: breeds of chickens. There aren't is. And, and all that people get are these dreadful modern things, which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not their fault. They're <laughs> <laughs> just ill educated, is what you're but saying.
1: They certainly shouldn't be <laughs> on a costume drama.
2: They certainly shouldn't be. No. 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 And they are. Old English game should be. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Or Dorkings. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> This is the 3CR Garden Show. Not the bird show. <laughs> Not the bird show. The 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia Hayward and with me is Jane Tonkin and Craig Wilson.
2: But the chooks and gardens are inextricably linked. Absolutely. Yep. yep.
1: Scratching around for Absolutely. bugs and things. And, yep. and small birds. Yep. And insects. Yep. If you'd wish to ring us, you can t- ring us on nine four one nine o one double five, or you can send us a text on o four double eight eight oh nine eight double five. That's nine four one nine oh one double five for the talk back line and O four double eight eight oh nine eight double five for the text number. So yes, I agree. We we must have I mean I don't have chooks because I can't cope with the foxes and hmm. it involves more building and I can't I just can't be bothered. I'm struggling so much with my grapes at the moment. I've just lost my grape maker, my, my the person who was looking after my grapes. I just don't need another thing to worry about. But my neighbours have chooks, which is a great relief, and I yeah. love to hear them.
2: I wouldn't be without them, and I wouldn't be without my roosters. Mm. And, and, you know, the only time I've ever had complaints from neighbours without my roosters is when I didn't have one. <laughs> What's happened to your rooster? Rooster, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, and,
4: well,
2: and they're, they're good neighbours to They have. are. Linked with humanity. Yes. There, there, I don't think, the, with the exception of probably the last 30 or 40 years, there would never have been a time in history when you wouldn't have heard a cock crowing mm. yeah. in cities.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the wonderful things about being in Hawaii is that they're feral birds. And so you, you, you're wandering through a, a rainforest and suddenly you see this absolutely fabulous rooster
4: strutting around. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you, Or you're driving through and you just see them. They pop out of the rainforest, look at the road, pop back in. I'm, I'm sure... I'm, and everything in, um, in Hawaii is feral, unfortunately.
2: Yes, an environmental basket case. Yes, completely, yeah. although very beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. And lots and lots of that wonderful rainbow eucalyptus, which is very special with the green and the pink all through the bark. It's just mm. breathtaking. It is a beautiful place, but yes, it is a bass. Vast... Well, Captain Cook did it. He he filled up his boat with bilge from California, headed to Hawaii, and all the mosquitoes that were in the bilge uh, had bird flu.
2: That's right. It wiped out the entire wiped
1: out yep. the entire population of birds to mm. such and such a height. Mm-hmm. And so you only get native birds in Hawaii,
2: up in the up hills. on the volcanoes. Yep. 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 This is a strong independence movement now. Is there? Yeah, there is. Yeah,
1: that'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, because property prices have gone through the roof, and the native Hawaiians are homeless, mm. or, or you know, quite a significant percentage of them.
1: Mm. Well, when they arrived, there were only two mammals: mm. a bat and a seal.
2: Okay, like New Zealand. Yeah, but yeah. then
1: I think they brought pigs.
2: Yeah, and they would have gobbled up the seals too.
3: Must have been a <bit> meal. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's have a look at a plant, Jane. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, okay. All right, Um, I just, maybe we'll follow on. A couple of weeks ago when I was in with um, Greg Balderson, we were talking about gladiolus species, Um, and I just thought I'd touch on one that's just coming out now, Uh, only because, you know, it's late autumn, early winter, and great to have gladiolus in flower. So the one I've got is called Priori. It's from south africa where it grows on sort of granite sandy slopes um so it needs good drainage obviously mm-hmm. um generally there's only sort of three to four um flowers per raceme, um but this one's getting up to seven um and it ranges from sort of these pale pinkies through to a really intense dark red this one's somewhere in between sort of a salmony red um and generally in the wild only gets to about 30 to 40 centimetres tall but ours is doing a little bit better than that which is a bit exciting um and Chloe asked me sort of where we sort of get a lot of our things from this one I got from the fabulous Craig Gardner, um who has a lot of these special South African things that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago um and Craig's only sort of accessible at the Ferny Creek um, plant fair and things. So uh, that's one special place that you do have to go to for all these things. Uh, so most of the species gladdies are either spring or summer flowering, but but this one that will flower now for the next sort of three or four weeks through into June I think is a bit exciting because it gives you this beautiful colour in the garden um so full sun position, sort of in with, you know, front of your selviers and things would look great, yeah. It's and
2: in dry summer I take and,
3: it. And and dry summer, yeah. Mm. Um but having said that a lot of a lot of um the autumn flowering gladdies like the summer ones, um, can tolerate a bit more moisture than the mm-hmm. spring flowering ones, so it, it would be one that you could possibly leave in all summer as well.
1: I leave all um, my gladdies in. Yeah. We are talking about species gladii. So this gladii has got a flower which is maybe as long as my finger, whereas when you think of the Dame Edna ones, yeah. they're longer than my hand. I'd rather
3: you didn't think of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> well, the species ones are yeah. absolutely beautiful and, yeah. but small, and they're, yeah. which is one of the things that makes them so beautiful. And people see them and they don't even realise they're gladioli. yeah. So what's the second name of this one?
3: Priorei. Spelled? P-R-I-O-R-I.
1: So look it up if you're interested. Yep. And we... I haven't put any photos up on Facebook and you probably haven't I haven't either. No, Not we'll anyway, put... We, we can. Immediately after the show, we will... Put some of these up on Facebook. I'm sorry that we're so badly behaved. Yeah, that's okay. But the election did throw one out (laughs) and losing so many people. And some staff being sick.
2: That's exquisite.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a a call on line seven from Sharon. Sharon from Cheltenham. Hello, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Uh, Look, it was particularly interesting about the
5: chooks this morning. (laughs) Because I had chooks, we've had chooks for about 20 years and the number of years that we've fed chooks that have stopped laying. hmm And, I mean, they're, they were a real tie. We couldn't go away because we couldn't get people to put them all in at night and, you know, and, and they weren't laying and you wondered sometimes. Oh, crazy, isn't
2: it? It's the modern um, hybrids. You know, they're programmed to lay for a very short period of time and a lot of eggs. hmm
1: and and you don't want a lot of eggs unless you've got a huge family. Yeah. Well, that's
5: true. And that's one of the advantages of veggie gardening, I'm finding. Now there's only my husband and myself. It's good to be able to just pick a little bit. You don't want...
1: Absolutely.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not the reason I'm ringing. The reason I'm ringing is about... My backyard has suddenly become a lot shadier. Um, and I know this because I actually over summer did a... Um, a uh, hour-by-hour graph, if you like. Um, Now, I've got a climbing rose that's now only getting sun between 12.30 and 4.30, and it's not doing very well, and I suddenly thought, oh, maybe it's just not getting enough sun. Would that be right?
1: It could. What sort of rose is it? Do you know?
5: Oh, no, it's been there for years. It's a beautiful dark red um, one, and it climbs over a pergola. I have no idea what it's and what's causing the shade? Oh, we've got a park next door which is the trees have grown a lot bigger yes. and the next door neighbour have got a lily pilly that's grown a lot bigger.
2: Oh, that's dense shade.
5: Mm. Yes, mm. and it, so it's, it's sort of, that's it, it's just
2: getting the afternoon sun. But the, the 12 to 4 is a good blast it, of it, hot yeah, sun. It is the best yeah. sun it can yeah. get, but
1: they do say that they need at least five hours.
2: Right, okay. What about pruning it?
1: Yes, I'm going to cut it right back
5: this year because I haven't done it properly for a couple of years. So I thought I'd give it a
2: harder go this year. You take out the old canes with climbers, okay, and leave Mm -hmm. the new ones. Yeah,
1: leave the new ones quite long. Yeah, You Don't you know? Don't prune it all down.
2: Just, just take out the ones with the rough bark and the thickest.
1: Ah, okay. So leave let the
2: new shoots come away because they'll have the most flower buds in them.
1: And do check that you haven't got things coming from underneath the graft, if it's a graft, and it probably will be.
2: And give it a few kilos of dynamic lifter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, it probably it probably does need some feeding too.
5: But yeah. I wouldn't
2: feed it till spring. Until no, it'll it's... take its while time yeah. to sink through. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Because yeah. if she's no, pruning
3: out the old um, canes now, you might as well feed it at the same time. I because would. otherwise, you forget. I think um, finish the well, job. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's better to feed it than
3: forget. Yes. yes.
4: All right.
5: Good, thank you very much. Well, good, thank yeah. you for calling. And thank you. A very interesting program this morning. Oh, thank
2: you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
5: All
1: right, bye bye, bye bye, Sharon. We can talk about ducks for the yard, too, if you
2: want. Oh, they're a bit smelly and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and watery. From from, so, I tried them. And I love and them. I them. Ducks are yeah, of fabulous. Yeah. yeah, particularly the runner um, ducks. Yeah,
3: because they, they stand up. Yeah. And, yeah,
2: but but yeah, you need a big property. I think. Yeah,
3: my partner's got a heap of ducks, and he, um, but he's a duck fancier. He's here,
2: a duck fancier. Yeah. What do you call them? A ducko A dako. <laughs>
3: I'm going to use that. <laughs> Hopefully, he's not listening this yeah. morning. I'll get a text message in a minute. <laughs> um, he had this fabulous. Um, they're called magpie duck, so they're black and white, similar to a, a stand up like a runner. Yeah. Um, and they're absolutely gorgeous yeah. little things. So um, anyway, small, ducks. Are they? For the, yeah, and they eat a lot of snails and slugs. And um, yes, if you do need sort of a large area because they ducks are messy. Um They will dirty up any pond and puddle and things, yeah. but they 're so cool to watch yeah.
1: well yeah. i've i 've got the australian ducks, the wild ones in mine usually, which yep. I love they love Ooh. my pond and um but of course. They're
3: more closely related to geese than ducks. Yeah, the um, wood duck you're talking about. The wood yeah, duck, that, yeah, its other name is maned goose or yes. something. Mm. Yeah, yes. um, but they're they're technically just... a goose, I think, mm. still. That's right. right. Be- because
1: yeah. because they've got the narrow beak and they tend to graze, graze on... rather mm. than
3: rather than feed yeah. in ponds. Yeah. Yeah. And they
2: don't necessarily require water, do they? I mean, you see them in a linder all the time. And there's no water around. Yeah. Mm.
3: Whereas and... the the Pacific black duck that we get with that beautiful tur- turquoise feather on his wings and stuff. Um, I think they they actually sort of nest um, very close to the water, and and if, in, the, uh, in and if not stay on the water all night. In as an a, island, yeah, mm.
1: yeah. So. And and the, a, a duck you can, will always see with its bum sticking up yeah. out of the it's water. It's Puddle ducking, because it's puddle ducking. <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas the Australian wood duck will actually graze yeah. through your grass, and it likes my grass. And they seem to be extraordinary. I don't have lawn; I only have grass.
2: They seem to be extraordinary mothers because I, I notice in alinda that they'll bring out a, a hatch of goslings and raise the whole lot yeah Where, And with foxes and everything around that that's quite quite an achievement
3: yeah um sometimes you sort of see it's at 10 bubbers and then the next day there might be only eight and I' sort of think oh. but um yeah there's a our neighbors up the road have about 40 or 50 that um, hang around their front lawn and stuff. It's just beautiful, mm. except when Kell's driving past and they get out on the road in front of them. <laughs>
1: yes, but. well, your pl- your place is very wild. Yes, yes, we have a lot of
2: yeah. wild, wild, and of course, in- duck eggs make the best sponge cake. Apparently, yes, they do. yes, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's a good reason for having them. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And what's and what have you brought us in? Well, feed
2: feeders. You know, I've had a glut of feeders this year, and I've tried. I tried making Fijoa jelly, of which you were a recipient of a jar, and it's not too bad, but it doesn't taste anything like Fijoas. And then last night I tried making a Fijoa loaf, you know, baking them into a cake, and again, it's not too bad, but it doesn't taste of Fijoas. And it it seems to me that every time you cook them, they lose their flavour.
1: I must admit, I've only ever eaten them raw. Yeah, Yeah, me too.
2: But when you have lots,
1: yes, you've got to do something. Yeah, Absolutely. that's right.
2: And, and you know, I have
1: got so many Chinese quinces, and there's just an absolute limit. I mean, I've got—I grew a whole lot of trees from seed, and as—and then just didn't pot them up for years. So suddenly, I had them quite big. And, and oh well, I'll put them in the paddock. Yep, they won't survive. <laughs> I've, I've now got eight in the paddock. Yep, <laughs> mm. I did have one in the garden, which I've taken out. I've still got another one in the garden. And so I've got quinces everywhere. And do you make quince jelly? Or I do. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't make a lot of quince jelly. I, I get that from Craig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but
3: I do... There is so much to this man that people don't know.
1: <laughs> but I do cook my quinces and then eat them with my breakfast. I have muesli and yoghurt and quince for and quince paste? No. Right. No. Quince. Quince mushed. paste and
4: blue cheese. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no. She
2: gets quince paste from me too. Yeah. No, <laughs> i I like
3: some too. Please. Right.
1: <laughs> quince. I don't think blue cheese and muesli go together, Jane.
3: No, they don't. No. But quince paste and you know, no. I could still eat blue cheese for brekkie. I don't care.
1: No, no. <laughs> um, but I do love, I do love cooking quinces, and the Chinese quinces cook a lot easier than the. They peel a lot yep. easier than the um, other quinces. But the other quinces, the Cydonia, has a more beautiful flower. It has that very. Very large, pale, pale pink flower. Whereas the Pseudo chinensis, the Chinese quince, has a much smaller, vibrant pink flower, but it is much smaller.
2: Now Cidonia. Yeah. Cidonia sinensis.
1: It's lost its pseudo It's hasn't lost it? its pseudo, yeah. and
2: it is one of the principal species, deciduous species in Japan for bonsai. Oh. And huh. it's the only deciduous species that the Japanese refer to in the masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful t- trees. Totally confused. You know, no I've got, idea why. Got my eye on some of Virginia's. You know to dig up and chop around. <laughs> <laughs> the bark is extraordinary.
1: Yes. Well, I, I will. I will donate you one. You can dig one up. Yeah. You probably should do it soonish, shouldn't you?
2: Yes. Early winter. Okay. Well, yeah. you won't be here.
1: Well, you can go and do it yeah. around the red shed. Take one of the ones around the red shed. Yep yeah.
3: I did lose. So, if Ginny's neighbours see a strange man digging trees. It's okay. <laughs> yes, it's okay. <laughs> it's got to be a masculine bonsai. <laughs> has to be a masculine one. Is there I've a- got a thing from M, oh, Emma yes. Heard. So, if that's okay, I'll just sort read an Please. announcement from her. Um, so, our darling Emma Heard has sent in Good morning, Virginia, Jane, and Craig. Wonderful show. Encouraging Women in Horticulture members in collaboration with the nursery and garden industry of Victoria have been able to secure free entry for our members only to the June Trade Day gathering held at KCC Park in Sky on the 7th. It's a great opportunity to become a EWHA member and join this great event. Bookings are essential, so please visit www.ewha.com.au for all the details. So that's encouraging women in horticulture. So free entry to that event on the 7th in Sky.
1: Where is Sky? I only know where Sky is in Scotland. Down
3: Mornington Way. Right. Mornington, Frankston, Skies, down that way. So Someone will ring in and correct me if I'm wrong. EWHA,
1: yep. Encouraging so women, women in horticulture. horticulture
3: Associations.
1: Yep. So if you look that up and you will find it and you can join. So thank you very much, Em. And we've got another call in from, from Jill in East Malvern. <laughs> Hi, Jill. Hi. How are I'm you?
6: looking for my kitchen window. At my Salvia involucrata betulai, in massively beautiful pink flowers, bright pink, and one pink icicle in the centre of it, so it looks wonderful. The two pinks,
1: the two pinks together would be excellent.
6: And pink icicles can become a thug. Yes, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a big one.
6: It's huge. But my involucrata bepha is even bigger, so it tells the pink articles to keep uh in in its place
1: <laughs> very wise, very wise, and do you find the birds using them do you can you watch from inside and oh, see yes. the birds? I've, yes
6: I've grown them about twenty years and they feed the birds and the bees all winter.
1: yes, mm-hmm. yes, it does make and, a difference.
6: And in the front, my theme is magenta the and pink, basically, is my colour scheme in the garden. And so I've got a salvia seapensis mm-hmm. and salvia magenta.
1: And which, which one was that, Jill, the second one? Salvia magenta. Oh, magenta, yes.
6: It, it gets a bit straggly, so I've cut it back very seriously. And... Uh, Yes, that that looks good too, and I have uh, things like um, dianthus and um, nasturtiums, you know, and the pinks and the dentists. Mm-hmm. and so it looks lovely. Yes, and
1: I think it's very important to remember to prune your salvias, and w- oh, yes. and basically after flowering.
6: Yes, that's right, and uh, I've got a huge angel compass uh, next at the back and uh, that's just finished flowering but that's the pale pink too that goes a bit salmon when it's old, the flowers go a little salmon in the pink as they age so I'm glad they've gone to God at the moment and there's just the green leaves and then on the other side I've got Artemisia the white one with one of the um, you know, the dark dark, reddish pink. So it's just wonderful looking out of the kitchen window onto all that beauty.
3: Certainly makes doing the dishes a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and I did a talk at Friends of Burnley Gardens on herb trees and took 10 trees last Tuesday. And they included the Japanese raisin tree. And the chocolate pudding tree. <laughs> what's the, what's the chocolate
3: pudding tree?
6: Yes, it's the sapoti. It's
3: oh, sapoti, of yes.
6: And you have to leave as you leave the persimmon until it's like marmalade in the in the skin uh, with the chocolate pudding. You have to let it go from pale brown or green, and then to brown, and then to dark
3: brown and then to black. And so like burnt pudding. The
6: instruction is uh, cut it in half and serve it with cream. That was on the label. Oh,
3: wow. wow. And
1: what was the <laughs> other one? You had the pudding tree and?
2: The raisin, raisin. tree.
1: Oh, what's the raisin tree? I presume the Japanese raisin
6: tree has sort of unusual... Uh, it's only four years old. They have to be at least five years old to fruit, both of them. Anyway, I got them at diggers and the Japanese raisin tree is fantastic because a tea of the fruit before drinking alcohol will mean the alcohol has less impact. Or if one has forgotten that and has a tea... Of the fruits after alcohol, then one hangover is far less. This is all okay, now all I the just Then,
1: <laughs> so we all need to be. What's its proper name, Jane? Hovenia. Hovenia. and diggers Hovenia have it, and,
6: and
3: Dulcis. Dulcis, yeah.
6: And it is a very sweet idea, isn't it? You know, to control hangovers.
3: Yeah, you've got mm. me, Jill. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
6: Thanks. Well, I don't know. I don't sell the country alcohol at all myself.
1: Now
2: you're a good
6: girl.
1: Very wise.
6: I'm with you, Jill.
2: Overpriced vinegar.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I try to keep smiling. (laughs) Now, well, some people have to have alcohol to relax. Well, if I have alcohol at a party, I relax so well that I fall asleep. I mean, that's not. (laughs) That's not really part of
1: it? Not at all. No, not no. at all. Thanks very much, Jill. Pleasure.
6: Oh, and the, I've got some other salvias, but I don't know their names. They're little ones, so they're bright and beautiful too. Yes. Okay.
1: The, okay, then. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> this, this is Virginia on 3CR Garden Show with Jane Tonkin and Craig from Gentiana Nursery. The other thing that I have out at the moment is the rhinocanthus ah.
2: besiana. Yeah, which won't flower for me. Certainly doesn't look like that in my garden. And I lost mine. Oh Come did and get you? One.
3: Good. Yes. No, uh, i just go to pinch Jenny's wishes away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> rhinocanthus Besiana doesn't seem to have a common name. It was brought into the country by um, Jane from the Botanic Gardens Melbourne, when she and some of the Sydney Botanic Gardens did a tour to China in the 90s, and it took them years before they brought back seed, obviously. Um, it took them years before they could identify what the plant is. And it's got a, a beautiful, um, velvety almost leaf. It's got a lovely leaf, and it's a very dark. Green. so it's a very, very and nice. And quite large leaves. It's it? a yeah. it's a large leaf on quite a large plant. Mm. It mine must be six seven foot high, mm. and but it has a, a very very. I'll, I will put this on Facebook after the show. It has a very unusual flower because it has just three um, lobes and it it heads down and it's very white, which it's makes
3: almost it, like a ladyfinger Caledonia orchid, the native mm. orchid in the flower the size is a lot bigger but it gives people that sort of you know that three lobed um hanging hanging lip at the front kind of thing and um
1: i did notice recently craig um something from a sydney gardener that i follow on whatever yeah and she said they needed to be planted in sun okay now mine the one that flowers well is in morning sun yeah i'm Excuse me, I'm absolutely certain that we'll have to be protected from the
3: northwest. And I just cannot believe it. No,
2: oh, everything about the foliage said to me sort of semi Delicate, yeah. yeah. And my,
3: Even though they're big, lush leaves, mm. they they have that appearance that frost is going to be annoying to it too. Yes,
1: it's acanthaceae, yep. um, which means it's quite easy to propagate if you can actually find one. That's and, an
2: understatement, yeah. And
1: you can find one at Craig's, and I think you can find one at Stephen's. And you can find one at the Friends of Botanic Gardens when they have yep. their sale. Wow. But you, I've never seen it for sale in a, an ordinary nursery. Although in, Sid, and in Sydney, the friends up there sell it. And once the friends are selling it, and you and Stephen are selling it, I presume it's somebody will pick it up along the way. But, those... but it,
2: it tends to look a little leggy in pots.
1: Yeah, this is, which
2: which may preclude it from the, the from the trade because you know things have to look gorgeous these days.
1: And anything that looks good in a pot is likely not to look as good in the garden. And a lot of things that look absolutely fabulous in the garden do not look good in pots.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's why you ask your nursery person. Yeah,
3: and I, th- I think people need to um, so have a go too at something. And and you know if Cray's got something that you don't know, you just say to him, "What's this? Where does it grow?" And he's one of the most honest people that will say no. You'll kill it in Melbourne, or no, that'll be perfect for you. Well,
1: I have picked up plants in his in his nursery, and he's just said no. Yes, no, put Virginia. that back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs>
3: um, yeah. can so, do it. No matter what it sort of looks like in a pot, because as as you're both saying, that some things can look leggy and things. But if you actually like Craig, will tell you what it's going to look like eventually when you put it in your garden. I, I think there's this opportunity that we sort of need to take of. Um, giving giving different stuff a go. Um,
1: and expect, yeah. ask it of your nursery person, exactly. your nursery man or nursery yep. woman, because they've been doing it for years. Many of them they know. They should know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm
2: not saying anything because the listeners are all tired of hearing me banging on about that. <laughs> <laughs> You can bang on all you
3: want. We're filling in today. We're allowed to do what we want. But it
1: is, it is I do find there's a whole lot of acanthaceae that I really, really like. I've, I've got yeah. another one in just come into flower at the moment, which is Odontonema, which is a Central American okay. acanthaceae. And it's got really, it's called fire spike or um, it's or toothed thread. It's got quite a small um, toothy leaf Mm -hmm. and what color but not prickly really red sometimes it's called a red justicia because justicia is a canthaceae, but it's not and there's both all these plants that i'm talking about are in the botanic gardens and in flower so and next week is botanic gardens week so do think about going and visiting in botanic gardens it is very beautiful odontonema. it's not difficult to grow it's, as in the botanic gardens, it's just around the, um, there's a very big building which is where the herbarium and it's planted around the herbarium and I know it's in flower there at the moment and it's just, it's it's a really strong
3: red. And for fire, this time of the year. Firebox beautiful. red.
1: And mm. and on the other side of the path I've got the salvia miniata which is you need also... a ginkgo
3: planted behind that know, the yellow at the moment, <laughs> don't you?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: but the salvia miniata which is another one which is frost tender and a bit difficult for us up up that way but the reds are just stand out and which is that lucantha the white lucantha we were talking about mm. before and i've got that looking fabulous all over the place with that white one i got from you the white south african thing whose name i refuse to remember
2: <laughs> oh um um, Africana aereocephalus. Aereocephalus. I
3: cannot I, I, remember. Sounds it. like an antibiotic, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Areocephalus. Areocephalus.
1: <laughs> and it flowers white right, right in Should the middle of winter. Should we ask him to spell that?
2: Cape June. rosemary.
1: <laughs> is that what it is? Cape rosemary. Cape rosemary. Yeah. I love it. I've got a couple of them. I've, I love white in the garden at this time mm. of year. I think white in the garden will disappear in summer when the light is much stronger, but it's fabulous. Mm. Well, that Aereocephalus, I think, is a fabulous plant,
2: mm.
1: which I know Craig sells. I don't know who else might sell I haven't got it. any
2: at the moment, but normally I do. Yeah. Would Stephen? No, I think it's probably a bit common for Stephen, isn't it?
1: I don't know. I haven't, I've, only ever, I've only seen it occasionally. Yeah. It's a, it, I think it's a fabulous plant.
2: I can't remember where I got it from.
1: And I don't have a photo, so I can't yeah, put okay. that on. I'm sorry. Would well, you have oh, them Lyle. again soon? Lyle
2: is where I got it from. From Lyle.
1: Which is down.
2: Um, Ram- Ramira.
1: Ro- Roy Rama.
2: Roy Rama. At
1: Lara yeah. on, the, on the road to Geelong. Oh. Yeah. And he has got a beautiful garden attached to his nursery, which yeah. is well worth a walk through.
2: And a fabulous plant selection. Unusual. He yeah, has got dry so climate.
1: Dry climate, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. A very good
3: nursery, Roy Rama. Yeah.
2: How,
3: how does he spell that, Jen? Just for people. R O I,
2: Roy.
1: R O I R A M A. A M A. Yes, it's yeah. a mountain, I think, in South America yeah. or something like that. And in it's Lara. in it's in Lara, and there's not a lot of nurseries in Lara, so you
3: could look. Yeah, you got it spelt right. R-O-I-R-A-M-A, nursery, and it's on Swan Street in Lara. So there's a fabulous recommendation from two plant gurus sitting next to me.
4: Yeah.
3: It's definitely
1: um, worth a visit, and he does have a beautiful garden attached to it, right. which you can walk around. Can I just tell everybody that our talkback number is 9419 and our text number is 0488 So do give us a ring or send us a text and um, talk to us. We'd like that. I did also notice that the um, Botanic Gardens in Geelong, it's Botanic Gardens Week, which is important. And next week, we are going to have a completely Botanic Gardens show. Excellent. We're going to have Tex from the Rhododendron Garden, otherwise known as the Mount Dandenong Botanic Gardens. Claire Hart from the... Melbourne Botanic Gardens, and John from Cranbourne. So it'll be a really interesting show with Chloe hosting it. And the
2: uh, the Botanic Gardens in Olinda are about to get deer fenced, which is a significant mm, uh, event.
1: So exciting. So Mm.
2: exciting. Mm. It's going to transform the place.
3: Yeah, give it a chance to recover, I think, from...
2: um, don't get us started on deer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure you have some stories to tell.
3: Yeah. Yes, you'd
1: have terrible deer problems. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. And when we were going home the other night, you said that you get deer shooters coming in illegally and... Mm.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's... we want the deer shot, but... Yeah, but anyone that's sort of poaching in the national park without parks sort of running some campaign for it uh, is a little bit concerning when you live right in the middle of the national park and they're not quite sure which way they're shooting towards and things. And, um,
2: yeah, so
3: that's not much fun at the moment.
2: But you hear um, the rifle shots yeah, frequently. Yeah, and,
3: and um, towards one of our corner paddocks, I, it's going to sound really bad. Um, so this might be distressing to some listeners if you want to make a coffee. Um there was a, a carcass and they'd just taken the head. So, obviously, it was a, a stag mm. and a um, great set of antlers on it or something and had dragged it down out of my paddock.
2: Charming. So,
3: they'd come in across the creek, through the bush, whatever, shot this deer and then done that to it and just left it behind. And um, See, that it sort of freaks you out a little bit when this is going on and because we have such a big acreage too, it's, it's very difficult to mm. – Um, maintain security and things like that. Mm. um,
2: That would be really alarming. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of Godfather-esque, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little
3: little bit grotesque. But anyway, that's why I said go make a coffee. (laughs) Well,
1: I see, I used to have people shoot rabbits at my place, but then one of the people who came didn't stick to the rules, which is you can only shoot up and down. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I can't take the risk, so I won't let people shoot rabbits at my place now because if they shoot across, you're you're going to... I mean, yep. bullets go too far and mm. my, yeah. my property is long and narrow and I've got neighbours down my long sides mm-hmm. and I don't want their horses, their dogs or their persons shot, mm. which no. seems logical. It, it, <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> and neighborly <laughs> oh, yes. You've got to be nice to your yeah, neighbours.
2: Exactly. Of course, the difficulty with these people who come in and, and, and trophy hunt is that they have no impact on the population at all. No. Because they just take out the big stags.
3: Yeah, and then another one moves in and yeah. takes on all the girls and things. And, um, and if something needs to be done government-wise with this issue because they're getting that bad up in the hills. Like they're even down into the basin mm-hmm. now doing a lot of damage to properties and things. Someone's going to die with a deer coming across the road. Yes. Like, and they don't belong here. Mm. Um, you know, they're taking vegetation from our wallabies and things. And But they're also wrecking the trees. Yeah. Yeah, because they rub their antlers and um, oh, the hoof marks are just atrocious. The sort of game trails, as they call them, through the bush. Nothing can grow there anymore, Mm -hmm. and they're wallows of just mud and things that they've destroyed fern gullies, and um, it's awful.
2: And and native orchids, the terrestrial orchids, which they love.
3: Yeah, like those sort of epiphytic. Ones that are on the old tree stumps yeah, and things. Yeah. What is it? The helmet orchids or something? Carol will correct me later. he <laughs> be listening oh. with a pen. He, well, yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah. In well, trouble he, he did. He did say Ducco is listening. Um, <laughs> and then I had a different version come through on a text from Fermi that perhaps I won't read out. <laughs> we'll stick with the it's a Duck-o. translation from Ducco, is it? it <laughs> ends in a witch. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, back to my announcement, which is where I started here. Um, Botanic Gardens, Botanic Gardens Week. Next week, Geelong is having a walk at 2pm on May the 29th, Changing Planet, Changing Plants. And what they want to do is show people the strategies they're using in the Botanic Gardens in light of climate change. And, of course, the Botanic Gardens in Geelong is a dry climate garden anyway. Mm. So that should be a really interesting walk. At 2pm, the Geelong Botanic Gardens, and I'm sure if you look it up online, there'll be more information. Yep, great. Because I think that, and as I said, next week it is Botanic Gardens Week, so you
3: all should That go should be a-, a fabulous show next weekend. Yeah, yep. go and
1: visit your botanic gardens. They are so precious. My botanic gardens, as I refer to the Melbourne Botanic Gardens, is looking mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's interesting, there's always something happening. There's yeah. always something happening. And Tex
3: will refer to his Rody Gardens as his, his Botanic, botanic gardens, gardens, I'm sure, too. Yes, yeah.
1: And that's another stunning Botanic oh, Garden. And of yeah. course, moving into the sort of period where things are. I mean, my camellias have started. It's a bit early, isn't it? Yep, I've got two out, and I've got 31 trees, so there's a few. Yeah, <laughs> the
2: camellias should be coming out now. Mm.
1: The early ones are definitely yeah, starting. Absolutely. I've got a white and a white and pink one out which is very name-conscious on it's my part. It's the Susankwa season, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the Sasanquas have started, uh-huh. definitely. And I just, I love camellias. And the thing about camellias, which people don't realise, is how damn hardy they
3: are. Yeah, they're pretty easy. They're
1: incredibly hardy. I've got, I've got big camellias planted facing west, mm. and they're happy, and they're beautiful. I mean, obviously, you don't plant all camellias facing west. Some of them would just curl up and die but some of them are are very once established when you I find when you move them they take a good few years to recover from
2: the indignity that's right and and same with planting them Mm. you need two or three summers to settle them in
1: and of course the camellia collection in the botanic gardens melbourne in south yarra is um really renowned. There's a lot of very... Re- I mean, there's the yellow camellia, which was only discovered in the 90s, mm-hmm. although whoever in Vietnam lived near it probably knew all about it. But
2: Quite hard to find commercially, that one. Very hard. Yeah, very I've been hard. trying for years to get myself one. And
1: the... the I mean, the camellia collection in Melbourne, it was named as one of the six best collections in the world.
2: So is that... Right. Is that Covers the whole spectrum, species as well.
1: Yes, there's the and there's some very rare things in there. Mm. Um, it, it's it's it was first um, Guilfoyle's father, were in Sydney, was I think the first person to bring camellias into the country, mm. and so Guilfoyle brought them into the Botanic Gardens, and of course had access to things that his father had brought in, and those ones of mine that are so good facing. West and north are William C. eyes. I find the William C. eyes, they were bred, they were cr- a cross that was developed in Britain in the 1900s. And it was, a, for me, it works in the heat, but this cross was the first time they'd crossed camellias that it was Japonica and Saluensis, I think. And it was the first time they found something that they could flower further north because they had trouble getting the camellias to flower once they got into the colder, colder parts of Britain. Yeah.
2: And the Williams eyes have that sort of bell-shaped flower.
1: They're more simple, yes, yeah. and I like the simpler ones. Mm-hmm. And the ones I don't like, I think camellias are good to buy when they're in flower because you do get those camellias that when the rain falls on them, they go brown and they don't lose their flowers and they, you've actually got to go around and clean them up, which I think is just boring.
2: They're mulch.
1: Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You don't Chainsaw kick... fodder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely chainsaw yeah. fodder.
2: Yeah.
1: But... There are so many camellias that don't do that. And I love the species camellias. My psi is in masses of flower. My yeah. luchuensis is in mass, not in Just masses buds of buds. Coming. Sorry, yeah. I'm lying, yeah. buds. But they're very exciting. And I've um,
2: discovered the weed in the genus.
1: Oh,
4: what's that?
2: <laughs> Camellia limba, which is a, one of the little white ones, autumn flowering. So it's flowering now, very upright and i had one in my garden for a few years and then the seedlings underneath it were like a lawn
4: really
2: oh. <laughs> yeah so i pulled it out yeah
1: i suppose you'd have to oh I like Well, like, the yeah i don't of it.
2: because once they're established if you if you miss a couple of years with the seedlings they're really hard to get out Yeah. I mean, the roots go straight down mm. um so yeah parvy limbo <laughs> stick of that one mm. yes. well I'll look at <laughs> maybe an alinda yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things yeah. that will grow in
4: a linda are quite. So, do
3: you yeah. do camellias in pots and stuff too? Yeah, like yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: but not not japonicas or sasanquas. Mainly the little ones. Yep. Yeah.
1: Good. And and the William C eyes, I I can't say how good they are. I really think that if you've got difficult, well, if you want to grow camellias and you've got hot spots, they'll survive. And the ones facing straight west, protecting my kitchen window, I just fabulous.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the saddest losses in the nursery industry was Camellia Lodge. Yeah. Which just had the most incredible array of them.
3: I think, sadly, there's a lot of that happening. Yeah, now. there is. Um, all the sort of older... But
2: the, 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 the range of Camellias available these days is abysmal.
3: Yes, it's
1: interesting. Isn't it? Well, people think that... that I, I think people don't realise how incredibly... I mean, mine just floated through the drought.
4: Yeah. Like, it's, like,
1: it's like the Judas tree, mm. you yeah. know. It just floated through. I'm the I'm sure Stephen'd
3: have um, camellias and stuff too, wouldn't he? But it's
2: it's, it's, it's Stephen would, and he'd have probably have some good, really good obscure ones. Mm. But it, it's the array of japonicas and mm. but also sasanquas.
1: Sasanquas,
2: yeah. Sagetsu, you know, the, the white one. Well, is, you're
3: not busy enough. Great, really right? start, you
2: know. <laughs> all you see in in, in Japan uh, sasanquas these days, and there are so many of them.
1: Yeah, we've got a call from Mia in Hillsville. Hello, Mia.
0: Oh, hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I um, have a question about my passion fruit flowers, but also my japonica, I just um, changed what it sounds like, I mean, my camellia japonica, so it's plant garlic. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's huge, biggest one I've ever seen. But my passion fruit is in flower, and do you think I should take the flowers off? So it's just new, it's just one year, oh, one year old, and it's massive. Like, it's grown really well. What um, color? Uh, which passion fruit is it? What? what what's oh, the leaf like? A, um, well, I know that you were saying that you should never plant a grafted one, but I did because I wanted it to grow quickly up my veranda. Um, but um, um, it's not from. So
1: it's, have you checked whether it's coming from beneath the graft?
0: Oh, it's absolutely
1: not. No, no, oh, good, fantastic.
0: Yeah, but, um, yeah, that's just
1: the, you know... Well, I would have thought, I'm guessing, but I would have thought you're not going to get fruit because we're going into winter. It's
2: too late. Mm -hmm. It's too
1: late, and I would have thought it would be better to take most of the flowers off because you don't... You would rather that... Reduces the stress on the plant. Yeah, reduces the stress on the plant. You'd rather it went into the leaves and into growing Mm -hmm. if that's what you want it to
0: do. Yeah, I just wondered if there was any chance that it was they were going to hang over till the... The summer because it's
3: underneath the eaves a little bit, but um, so it is frost protected. Don't think in hills, even the frost protected, I think hills will get so cold in the winter.
1: I (laughs) would, I'd be very surprised. I mean, you could leave two flowers on and just just as an experiment,
3: too, Mm. yeah, or a third of them or something. Mm.
0: Yeah, I don't
3: know
2: why it's decided to go so late, but anyway,
0: warm autumn, yes.
1: Yes, I, I've I've got things in flower that I don't expect to flower at this time of year. I think there's a bit of it going around. So I'll,
0: I'll mix them all up. I get it.
1: Very good. Yep, that would be our advice. Le- just leave yeah. a few on to play with and to see when they cark it, but I think they will. I mean, as Jane said, Hillsville's not exactly the warmest place in Victoria. No, no. So
0: I think it's just done so well because I did that old trick of planting it with a calf liver. Ah, very wise. Yes, in a big hole and a big liver from the butcher.
1: Fantastic! Good on you. Go, Mia. Yeah, see, there's some feeding.
3: There's some feeding yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. We we like that, Mia. Thank yeah. you very much. Good. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's impressive.
3: Yeah. This this show is very wide and diverse this morning, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, see, the hills bring some sort of. Um, Atmosphere to this show. Absolutely.
1: Now the talk back line is nine four one nine oh one double five. This is the three CR Garden Show and you're listening to Virginia, that's me, Jane, and Craig. And the text number is O four double eight eight oh nine eight double
4: five.
1: And we usually we have heaps of text and today we don't seem to have had any, which I'm quite pleased because I find them so hard to read because it's white writing on black
3: Uh, and
1: we can't seem to reverse it.
4: It's
3: most unsatisfactory. Well, I thought we might talk about it's sort of time for digging all our summer perennials and dividing and things now that Mm -hmm. um, most people have planted their spring flowering bulbs and things. um, A lot of our perennials like peonies and um, epimediums and things like that are starting to go dormant for the winter and that's the time where you can actually dig and divide and Um, either share plants with um, gardening friends or make clumps bigger in your garden. It also refreshes your plants and things. I mean, peonies you shouldn't dig and divide for sort of only every 10 years rather than two or three. Or if you have to. Or if you have to, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, a little trick that we sort of use is um, I, I dig clumps of peonies or epimediums or hostas and things like that. And they've got all these beautiful fibrous roots and stuff and all the dirt clods stick to them. I give them a hose off first so you can see where all those beautiful um, new buds or eyes are at the top of each um, plant. And you can either use sort of the secateurs or a knife or um, I think people have been known to use a... um, large hatchet type of thing to chop perennials apart or an
2: old pruning saw. saw
3: yeah um so you know getting getting things out and divided and basically straight back in because a lot of those things like hostas and stuff if you leave out of the ground for too long those beautiful fleshy roots dry out really easily um and make sure that you are feeding 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 your perennials when you um plant them back so any of those sort of dynamic lifters or blood and bones or those sort of things are, are great because they will start to make sort of new feeder roots over the winter, even though the rest of the plant is
2: dormant. That's right. Don't don't be fooled by what you see on top.
3: Yes, yes, because there's lots of things going on underground. And it also gives you a chance to see if there's any um, nasty bugs in the soil, like your um, curl grubs and things that cause a lot of root damage to perennials. Um, if you noticed over the summer that your perennials sort of were looking not quite right, It's a good time to check the roots on those because there was a lot of curl grubs around, I think, with the warm um, autumn as well. Um, I tipped out a pot the other day and it was only a six-inch pot and it had 12 curl grubs in it. Now, that's enough to decimate it in two days. sort of. Mm. So, great chance to check out sort of what's going on in your soil, replenish your soil if it needs to. Um,
2: The hostas and pots, I tend to leave until much later in the winter. Yep. The reason for that is that I like them to be divided and start growing immediately.
3: Yep, once you've divided it. Yeah. Yes. Then yep. I and think
2: that if you split them up too early yep. and they're sitting cold and wet in the pots, then you can lose the crown. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But the ones in people's gardens, in I the think garden's is, is different a great idea. Of um and while we're on hostas Craig has a a great range of hostas up there that yep. um Make me a little bit jealous when I go. Uh, so hostas are a fabulous thing for your shady garden. They will tolerate that filtered morning sun as well. Yeah. They're arch enemy, the snails and slugs. But if you get ducks and chickens, you're That's all good.
2: That's right. No. Get some <laughs> bantams.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and hostas are predominantly grown for um, their varied array of fabulous foliages and things. You can get the variegated ones and golds. Um, and sort of those puckered leaves or just straight leaves, etc. large leaves, small leaves. It's a very, very versatile shade plant.
1: Like the begonias. Yeah. And mm. a lot of Beautiful
3: them, leaves. Yeah, mm. a lot of them have um, sort of mauvey pink flowers but and through to white. The best smelling one is Plantagenia. Um mm and honeybells, and honeybells, honey yeah and and i mean both of those have really large flowers as well um and you would grow it for the flowers mm.
2: and the foliage so
3: hostas is something maybe you're thinking about over the winter um
2: hostas are, hostas are really good in pots yeah and, and and if you use inserts in your nice pots as in put, put them in a plastic insert then at this time of the year you can take them out and put them you know under a tree somewhere and grow tulips In the pot? In the pot. Okay. As another insert.
1: I don't understand.
2: So you use a black plastic pot. So you've got a beautiful terracotta pot that you're growing your hostas in. So you put the hosta in it in a black plastic pot. Oh, right. Yes, of course. And at this time of the year, you can take the black plastic pot out and just put it aside under a tree somewhere mm. and replace it with another black plastic pot full of tulips.
4: Mm. Mm.
2: That's a,
3: this is an absolutely fabulous your, idea for anything too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once your tulips are spring, finished, I mean, do I, the same thing.
2: I never, mm. ever yeah. plant into my good pots. It's always in, in inserts. Isn't he smart?
1: Isn't he? Well, See, well, I
2: you told can, you
3: there was more to this man.
2: <laughs> you, you can change the look. <laughs>
3: it's so you, get, yeah, it's you great. You get bored with
2: yep. the look, you, 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 yep. you change it. Yeah, Whereas, and, and also it's it's so much lighter. Yes. Trying to get a plant out of a big terra terracotta pot, pot is a pain.
3: And if you leave it in there too long, there goes your terracotta pot because That's the right. only way you're getting it out That's is right. to smash exactly. the pot. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Always yeah. inserts. Mm.
1: What a very good idea.
2: And it also solves the issue with drainage because the black plastic pots are generally
3: sits up a little bit. Sits up yep. off
2: the bottom, and pots these days always have shocking drainage holes. Mm-hmm. You yeah, always get out the drill and put more in. Yeah. Pots,
1: and the other thing too is that you can actually line between the pot and the pot mm. in the summer if it's getting if things are too hot. If you want to give more insulation, a lot of alpine sort of plants yeah. and things you can prefer actually put that even, double, e- even a lining skin, yeah. of, of newspaper. Mm. Yeah, or around gravel it. looks
3: beautiful, and then, if you can afford it.
1: Well, newspaper and then something on the top of yep. it to pretend that you've yeah. got mm. insulation. Insulation. Mm. Yeah, because I th- I think that is a problem with black plastic pots in summer, that they do get just too damn hot. Mm. I mean, they're great in winter because they do get warm. Yep, but now, hot is not desirable.
2: But you know, the the, the warmth from a from the customer's point of view is is why it's always a good idea to plant in autumn, because you, you buy a plant in spring. And it's been nice and snug and warm on its black plastic pot, and then you put it into the freezing, freezing cold, cold, wet soil, and yep. it goes, yeah. Because they don't
3: like you anymore. Yes, that's yeah. Right.
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and in I mean autumn, they get that bit of time for the roots to get out when the soil's still warm from that's the right. end of summer, warm yes. and moist. Mm. Yeah,
2: it's, it's definitely the planting season.
1: I I think so for this yeah. for this climate <clears throat> particularly. Yeah, yeah that's I right. mean in Britain, it's not because you don't necessarily want to put something in and then the soil goes actually rock hard with the cold. Yeah. yeah. But here, I think it's a really good idea, because our th- and most of our stuff keeps growing on some
3: level
2: over the winter. Very... Absolutely. If, if not the top, the roots. Mm. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yes. And Craig, while we were talking about dividing things, you've got an epimedium there. Can you talk yes, about
2: this that one? Yes, is, this, is, this is the, the common um, epimedium um Versicolor variety Neosulfurum, which is my favourite. I think. I think if I had one epimedium, this would be it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the common reason, name
3: is it barren wart or something? Is yeah, it? Yeah. The reason yeah.
2: I bought it in is because it takes on these. If you give it a bit of morning sun, mm. it takes on these incredible colours. And the one I've got in front of me now is is a rich, rich red. It's almost like the colour of the forest panty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: Tree. It. Mm. Yeah. I. Th- th- it's hard to describe the the benefit of autumn colour from perennial plants mm-hmm. is um, underestimated, underestimated, I think, or underutilised, yeah. whichever. Um, and, and I think we need to look at using more of those. Like epimediums are quite easy to grow, aren't they? Especially this one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, really easy.
3: Yeah. They say dry shade. But um, I also find that they do like a little bit of moisture as well. They do. Um, they,
2: they're, going to, they're going to tolerate dry shade. They're going to love a bit of moisture. Moisture, Yep, and yep. food. Yeah, and food and mulch.
3: Yep. So, yep. you know, epimediums is something that – like you could go – I'm sure Craig's got some in pots and stuff at the moment that mm-hmm. you can actually see the autumn colour. Um, like we do them when they're dormant through the winter in our – List, but you can't sort of see the colour of them at the moment. But there's this amazing bishops hats. That's what That's the flowers bishop's looks. Hat like. or yeah. Hat.
2: No, no, yeah, bishops hat.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, and they have the these beautiful little flowers that yeah look like a little bit of a bishop's hat and. Um,
1: They're small again.
3: Well, the grandifloras can be quite big and sort of... Big and
2: showy. Yeah, Yeah.
3: um, but they go from whites and pinks and yellows into beautiful mauves and purples and things, depending on sort of what colour you like. There's sort of the prickly-leafed wooshinets ones and um, I just think epimediums is another one of those things that's not sort of commonly available um, in your sort of garden centre sort of things. It's more of a sort of rare plant nursery thing. Yeah.
4: Um,
3: and I think people should sort of look at that because they don't mind a little bit of dry, um, although thrive in a lot more moisture, but it's something that you could be, as we're talking about changing microclimates in our garden to suit climate change, yeah. epimediums would be one thing that will progress through that sort of more dry um, aridy type, things that we're
2: experiencing. There are definitely epimediums which will flourish in Melbourne gardens. Mm. Yeah. Not necessarily all of them, but no. some of them will. Some of the more delicate species and yeah. things which are yeah. fabulous.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't suggest. But I mean you start with something like this first is the is the thing.
2: Neosulfurum um, is fantastic. Yeah. The, 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 the flower colour is a beautiful soft yellow. Mm. And at the same time as it's flowering it has all that leaf marking, you know, the red veining veining through, through the its leaves. leaves. Yeah. Which which happens in the And they the flower for a long leaves. time, too. Yeah. As a... And and then come the end of the season, you get this. Mm. This beautiful, beautiful, deep, rich red.
3: And you don't have to cut them back, either. I mean, I, I do, because yeah. it's...
2: It, Look, it, I think in July, you take, yeah. take to them with the... Um, Just a pair of... The grab, grab shears or whatever. Grab hold of it, whatever. Yeah. or
3: whatever, depending on how big your clumps are. Yeah. And... Um, um,
2: and what then, you, you, then you, get the, you get the whole spectacle of flowers and new foliage.
3: Oh, and some of the, when the new foliage starts, it sort of unfurls out the ground a bit like fern fronds. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a magic process. Like, it's just as stunning that sort of at that late winter stage as it's just coming back into life. I think a lot of perennials um, put on their best display too. So if you do cut things back, you get to see that. But, um, What's the, is it display? Dysporum catonience, the night heron. Y-
2: yep, yep, yep.
3: Um, so that was Dysporum, um, and the best one that sort of people would know would be night heron. And if you cut that right back, the new growth that comes is just, um, the colour of the stems is just this intense purple.
4: It's and reptilian.
3: Yeah. Um, so they're sort of some really cool perennials that um, for shady spots that, um, you know, they, they have these great advantages while they're in, um, full growth as to when they're just coming back into. But they love food too.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm with Craig on the food today.
1: Mm. Yes, I'm very bad at feeding mine, but then I'm on that red soil. So there's a lot of food in the soil by yeah. definition. In,
2: in, in, yeah, in, in, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd refute that because <laughs> I'm on good soil too, as, I, as I'm sure is Jane. I'm on
3: great volcanic and yeah, it's still, yeah. I still deep, feed. Beautiful, deep, rich yeah.
2: soil in a yeah. but we still turn the fertiliser yeah. on. And I think
3: it's if you're going out pruning, you've got your, your pruning shears or your secateurs or whatever you've got. Mm. Why haven't you got your bucket of
4: About dynamic lifter right. or, or
3: blood and bone with you? Yeah. you? You clean one up, two or three handfuls on there. Craig's going to look at me and go, Two or three, you need 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do it all at once. And in that beautiful winter rain, just breaks it down. Yep. And by the time all those new roots and things need it um,
4: for it's all that, all that fancy things. For them.
2: Yeah. 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 And a, yeah. And the same thing with your mulching. Yeah.
3: So I want some smelly hands out there, people. Yeah. 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 And the
1: mulch, definitely yep. the mulch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, because my garden's rather big, and there's not a lot of me, I do have trouble getting my garden properly mulched before summer hits. Yeah, you've mm. got a
2: huge
3: garden. It is.
1: Mm. <laughs> it's a little bit too big for yep. me, <laughs> unfortunately.
2: I just got another truckload on Thursday. Of wood chips. It's well,
1: one thing I have decided know to do. No, what you're doing today. <laughs> one thing I've decided to do, Craig, Craig. Craig comes around and tells me off, you know. Yep. Chainsaw, In a nice way. Chainsaw, he says. Not necessarily. <laughs> and my magnolia, he's determined to take the chainsaw to it. Oh. The thing
2: with planting oh. things like that is that you need to be able to look at the long term. And these are really big trees. Was well, it a or something? Or no, no, are... no. It's it's a it's a magnolia grandiflora. It's evergreen. And it's it's a very cross, close isn't it? to the house, and it's planted. It's, oh, a, that's on the back. It's planted right? it amongst some lovely smaller deciduous trees, and at the moment and some it's camellias fine. there too. Mm. Yeah, <laughs>
4: James yeah. making cutting yeah. At the cutting moment, it's signs. fine, <laughs> but
2: but in another ten years or even less, it's it's going to be swamping everything, and, and all you'll have is a magnolia trunk.
3: Yeah, because though, especially the flowers, their roots are very shallow.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: like you dig down, and, and there's all these great coloured roots, um, fibrous sort of roots that are taking all of that away from those other little specimen trees that you've got. They,
2: they are exquisite trees, mm. they're beautiful trees. But if you want one in your garden, plant it down near the grapevines. Yeah. Where mm. you can see it.
3: Well. It's... With a mass of white.
2: There you go. You've been told again. I've been told
3: again. The, yeah. 10, so you 000. you started this though, Ginny. You know. Like, anyway, <laughs> know. there was there was more to this story of. Craig well, comes around and tells me yeah. things that I. Yeah. yeah.
1: He tells me that I have to chop down various mm. things that I don't mm. want to chop down, and he then tells me that I've got to stop using pea straw as my mulch and I should start using. Um. And of course, I've got so much of it now because I've lost trees this year. Mm. So I've decided I'm mo- I'm not going to buy pea straw this Good. year because I yeah. usually buy, sort of. A huge amount of – I buy 21 bales.
3: Can you tell the listeners why you would recommend
2: – The reason that I like the arborist mulch is the range of textures in it so that you have leaf and you have bark and you have hardwood mm-hmm. so that it takes a long time to – Break down. To break and, down. Yep. And
1: but it's always breaking down. It's because-
2: always <laughs> breaking down. And then as you, as you pile it up, you know, one load on top of another, then you get this wood that goes right through your soil – and opens it up
3: and that humus and yummy that, yeah, eventually
2: yeah. And, yep. and 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 like you wouldn't believe yep. yeah Which beautiful is... white threads running uh, through the soil and that's why we
3: sort of need to feed a bit more than what we probably do because of the nutrients that it's taking to break that um, barks and things down yeah. as well give it give it a little whereas bit too whereas when i use to... the
1: pea straw i'm actually fixing nitrogen in the soil
2: But yep. the pea straw the pea straw is so fleeting it's really good for an annual vegetable crop where at the end yeah, of the season turn you turn in it in and yep. put some more on. But in the garden, it's for one thing, it's probably a little bit expensive. You don't put mm. it on deep enough because of the cost. Mm. And, and especially
3: the size of garden. You can see why she gets 21 bales of it.
2: 21 <laughs> yeah. bales would go nowhere Maybe where, try cause it
3: because you've got your own mulch now, haven't you? Yeah,
2: I've got yeah. heaps. Um, I, you know, I... I, to give you an indication, my garden's an acre and a quarter, and half of that's taken up with the nursery, and I, this is my fourth truckload this year yep. of wood chip.
1: And I've got, I've got, I don't know, four acres, five yeah. acres? I don't know how big my garden is, but it is a little bit too big. I think it probably is five.
2: So at this yeah. time of the year, obviously, there's a fixation with leaves because my trees are all big deciduous trees. Mm-hmm. So once the leaves are all cleaned up and straight onto the garden beds, then a load of wood chip will go on top of them.
1: Which will help yep. them break down really quickly. And holds and...
2: them down so that you don't have to rake them all again. Mm.
4: <laughs>
1: and Now, now they're, Susie, they're Susie from Footscray mm-hmm. has got an overgrown box hedge. Which, which she's trying to cut down and is worried it may not grow back. So can we give us some advice on pruning a box hedge? And I think if you prune it too hard, it might be problematic.
2: Uh, I'd be surprised if it doesn't grow back.
3: It'll grow back, but it'll take a while.
2: It'll take a while and you need to feed it.
3: Yes. Yeah. Are we talking that she wants to take a third of it or she wants to take a half of it, does she say, at all?
1: I'm not quite sure because... All the screens in this place are in the wrong place.
3: That's okay, honey. Mm. Um Yeah, so I think I, I don't think I'd take more than sort of a third to start with on a box. But
1: no, um, she's already already cut it back past the leaves.
2: Good. Okay. Then 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 cut it right down and start again. You know, cut it right down to what thirty centimeters. Yep. Yep. To what yep.
1: whatever height she wants.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when when you say that, you need to allow for regrowth. Yes. So yes, we'll... it needs to be
3: so sort of ten centimeters lower than where she wants it That's eventually, right. so you yeah. can hedge it properly. Yeah,
2: and yeah. then and then stack the dynamic lifter on it.
3: Yeah, her neighbours will love her for a while. And
2: and mulch <laughs> on top of the dynamic lifter. Stack it on.
3: So, Susie, they reckon
1: it's okay. Just make sure you you feed and mulch, and over the summer, you know, maybe you'll give it. It'll take a while. Don't get don't get impatient. Give it the chance to come back.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm in constant trouble with my partner for box because I'm constantly pulling it out and putting it on the bird. Pile. <laughs> I, I don't ready. want to grow this it doesn't make me any money. Okay. It's of no value to me whatsoever. This is the argument. When we
3: when we got this poor lady just then I, I sort of was not daring to look at Craig because I expected him to go cut it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants to go down to Periander and we've always talked, we've already talked about the Enchyanthus. Um, there is two Mahonias there in the fern gully, of which this is not a piece, <laughs> <laughs> and they are okay. sublime. Yep. Could but you
1: could you just explain where you're talking about? Because not
2: Periander if- is two hundred metres down the road from me on Hackett's Road. Yeah, in and a, and and a Amazing and it's a, it's a, it's a, arboretum a, of, It's an arboretum of extraordinary trees yeah, and shrubs. Yeah,
3: there's nothing like it that I've ever yeah. seen in this country.
2: Yeah. Mm. And uh, the Mahonia, which is now Berberus, are all coming into uh, yeah. flower now, yeah. yeah. So this is actually Berberus lamerafolia Mirafo- La
1: But if you look up Mahonia, you'll find out...
2: But I, yeah. I can't quite get my head around Berberus because I've been calling them Mahonias all my life. And mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: will just say synonymous with Berberus. But
2: they're yellow. They're yellow and they're flowering now and Virginia doesn't like them. Don't you, she's constantly you? being castigated. Yeah.
3: Well
1: <laughs> they're very much they're very much um, council planting in Britain. I do like them mm-hmm. now, but you know how when you see something all the time you tend mm-hmm. to go
3: off it a bit.
2: Yeah. Well that like was diosma. My,
3: like diosma. Uh, like which I loathe.
2: Yeah. Um, which is a great clipped shrub if you know, it has its uses.
3: I should see Ginny's eyebrows right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everything has its use, even box.
3: <laughs> even a
1: box I would go okay, for we... before diosma. I love yeah. diosma. When I moved into my place, there was one bed that had, n- the only one bed, and it had nothing in it but diosma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was tragic. So but the Mahonia is beautiful.
2: The the, the, the folia is a very upright one. Mm. So it's tall and slender and it has these clusters of yellow flowers now which under good circumstances will have a sweet sweet perfume and the honey eaters are going for it um and the foliage is mm, potentially savage yeah it's a little so, bit prickly it's not
3: but not like a normal oh that's just as prickly as banksia speciosa I suppose Yes, yeah, people yeah. don't know but, but um, it's
1: not as bad as as Berberus.
3: No no, 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 no. Not as bad. Near. It's the cluster of yellow flowers that are sitting right at the apex of yeah, that's the, right. the stem. Yeah. And then there's, they're about 10, 12 centimetres long, the the whole stem with the yeah. raceme of flowers on it. And it is golden yellow, like like ginkgo gold. Yeah. Um,
2: and, and the ones at, um, at Perianna Gardens would be four, five metres. Oh, wow. And all covered in Yeah, just, yep. Yeah. Spikes yep. of I think we need to take a photo them. of that
3: one, Jenny, because it's very hard to explain how how beautiful it is. it is and, I've and architecturally. Picture,
2: I've got a picture on my phone okay. of, of Perianda, yep. so we'll, we'll, put, we'll send that off. Yeah.
1: So Perianda is open; you can go down and go for a walk. Um, it's steep.
3: Yes, very steep. So, so able-bodied and good footwear, I would suggest. Yes, so it's
1: yeah. not one for high heels.
3: No. But it's although a... no. <laughs>
1: It is a totally beautiful garden. It's a wonderful mm. arboretum and it's actually looked after by the state government now. It's part of Parks Victoria. It, it was
2: planted by the Ansell family of Ansell rubber. Yep. Or the, the secondary load of planting. The first planting was prior to them. So all down the fern gully in Periander there is these phenomenal copper beech. Yeah. A row of them which are now 100 years old. They were planted in the 1920s. It's
3: probably the biggest...
2: They're the Copies biggest copper beach, beach I've ever in, seen. In, yeah.
3: Yeah. Australia too. And it, it, it's and it magic is, down in the in the
2: fern gully. And yeah.
1: it is now time to be there. Yep.
2: And am I always bumping into your sister down there? Oh probably. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> we She loves taking her kids, um my sister's got sort of eleven um, year old twins that are uh, into birds and into plants and um, she's nurturing that and is one of their favourite places to go uh-huh. which I think is a fabulous thing
2: It is. Yeah.
3: Take a picnic too
1: you know? we've, we've got a call from Jason in Murrubark. Hi Jason
2: Good morning, how are you?
1: We are good, thank you very much. I'd
2: like to wish
4: all the gardeners a great day
1: Oh, thanks. And, and you too are you And I'd ga-
4: like to say
2: you're doing a great job I, I don't I'm a bad gardener <laughs> I'm a bit of a brown thumb, but I know people who have green thumbs.
1: Well, all you have to do is keep practising, Jason. You'll eventually become a good gardener. Your thumbs will go one
4: from brown to green.
2: One of these days I will.
1: You will. Definitely. We we all learnt on the job. It's the only way to go.
2: Got a very got very poor eyesight, which doesn't help.
1: <sighs> no, that does make it a bit more difficult.
2: Yes, that's right. And... Bye.
1: Thank you, for you. My call. all the best. Okay, right. thanks right. very much. Bye. Well,
3: that was nice. I don't do the
2: brown thumb thing. I think that if if you have an interest, yeah, you'll you'll do it. Mm. Yeah. And
3: and it's all about making mistakes and learning and things and oh,
2: so many mistakes. And talking to and other still people, still making mistakes. Mm.
3: Join a garden club.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yes, well, you that's know.
1: always fun. I tell you another one in my garden that is looking absolutely fabulous this year. <laughs>
2: dahlia imperialis <laughs> is, the, is tree dahlia. Yeah.
3: the tree dahlia. The tree dahlia. For is...
2: people who don't have room for tree dahlias, I have Dahlia muriei, oh, which is a little little dahlia, which is exactly the same colour, Oh, but lovely. only grows to about forty centimetres.
4: Oh wow! Yeah. So and does that species. sort of
1: handkerchiefy look yep. with the flowers? Because my tree dahlia must be 15 foot high, Mm -hmm. and it's got a bit of protection because in the paddock behind it, it's got a couple of lemon trees, and in front of it, it's got got the compost. So it's always well fed.
3: Yeah, because they can... Because it's this massive growth, and the the stem is actually hollow, um, they tend to waft around a lot and can snap off and so... They need a bit of protection. protection from wind and things. Shelter. Um, yeah, mm. a lot of people tend to stake them a little bit too. Um, but fabulous things. Yes. Do you cut yours back?
1: Um, when I remember. Yep. Um, this one didn't get cut back, which is why it's up to well above the... It's well above the lemon trees. Yep. It's and they, it,
3: Those tree dahlias love food too. I know we... I bet they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's
1: yeah. you see, it's planted behind the compost, so... I don't have yeah. to feed
3: it. My sister's got a beautiful white one, double white one of it. Yeah, um, I
2: have double white ones in the nursery. Yeah, um, I, 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 they're not quite as tall, are they?
3: Oh no, her they're hers not. up, but she feeds a lot too. Okay. So, um, she's my kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: there's also a much this this is a re, is a pale movie pink. Yep. And there's also a much deeper pink, which can be a double as well. Yeah. Uh, that the only four I know: the singles and the doubles, white. Pale pink, pink dark and, pink.
4: Yeah,
1: but and they another Mexican. They have number.
4: that
3: typical sort of fleshy dahlia foliage that is really attractive. But they're so tall and um, graceful, and quite hardy. You know, they they're relatively easy to grow. Um, so I think it's just it's a fabulous addition to a, a winter garden as well. Fantastic, um, and
1: of course. They, they've got these stems with these big nodes along them. So if you cut a piece off and plant them, and just stem. lie it flat on the ground, yep. and then cover it with a bit of soil, those nodes will root. Yep, propagate mm. quite so it's easily. Extremely easy to propagate.
2: Well, look, mm. I grow dahlias in the borders at Long Acres because deer don't eat them. Yeah. So they're very, very deer proof, and and I never lift them. Mm. Yeah. Year in, year, year out. out, and they just get better.
3: Yeah, I think when people lift their dahlias every year it's basically because they're selling them commercially type mm. thing um the couple up the road that grow them as a uh, cut flower they only dig them when they want to divide and and make yep. more of one that's selling really well so um i don't have a problem with people leaving their dahlias in all year round either
1: I well think. see i won't grow things that have to be lifted no yep. same. i refuse to grow tulips for
3: that reason i grow species tulips thank you mm. because you were just about to get in trouble from jane yes, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Poor Virginia. Yeah.
3: Um, Ginny, we're actually your friends too, so, you know. Yeah. I might need See some why proof. she's running back to England. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: might need some proof. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, I'm, I'm not mad on, on tulips chul- anyway. Yeah. I love the species tulips. But, again, my garden's too big for me, so to have to go around and dig things up yeah. and then find somewhere to put them and then remember I've put them there and then remember to get them out of wherever there is in the garage before it's too late... It's just Mm-mm. too complicated. The
2: big hybrid chalops are fantastic tub plants. Yes. yes. At, a, at a time of year when really there's not much happening in the tubs.
1: Gaudy colour, I call them.
2: Yeah. Mm. That, yep.
4: you know.
1: And the, I love the black ones, the mm-hmm. really, really yeah. dark. Yes. No, you're right. They're fantastic in a pot. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if you do
3: what Craig was saying before with that double skin, like insert, have the plastic yeah. pot as an insert into, I mean, even if you don't have the money to buy some beautiful terracottas or whatever, you can plastic insert into another plastic. Yep. If that makes sense, um, and and do it that way. Well, like when we're talking about digging perennials and stuff, it's not necessary unless your perennials are sort of starting to look a bit shabby and things. It's just mm. the right time of year to do sure. a lot mm. of them.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think probably when you read articles on perennials, a lot of them are written in the UK and yeah. they say that, You should dig them every year, but they have more. As Virginia
3: said, the whole ground just goes solid. Yeah, Yeah, they have more
2: congenial conditions too for perennials. There's more summer rain, whereas ours probably take a little bit longer to clump up.
3: Yeah, and settle back in and things. That's sort of if you can divide something into sort of only. Two or three, rather than trying to get six plants out of something, you you give that division so much more of a better chance to to
4: survive. To do its
2: thing, mm. You, you know? only chop them up in little bits if you're a nurseryman. Yep, we're
3: bad like that. Yeah,
1: right. We've got Janine from Frankston on the line. Hello, Janine. Ah, uh, good morning. Good morning.
3: Hi, hey, Janine. Is, oh, yes. is, is Sky down near you? Ah, yes. Is Sky? it is. Yeah, good. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Yes,
7: it's. it's- guys between sort of Frankston and Lang Warren. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Sorry, I've interrupted you.
7: You're welcome. Um, I'm ringing up. I've got a Diploleana grandiflora or an orange shower flower um, in a pot. I've had it for about five years. It's been a huge pot. Um, but this year the leaves are all curling up and it has no flowers on it.
1: What was it? Diplo D I P L O
7: L E A N A. Yeah.
2: And the leaves are curling up. It sounds yeah. like an insect.
7: Well, I'm wondering, I've checked oh. for an insect, but. um. It's a, it's a grafted plant, and I'm worried that what I've done is overwater it in the yes, summer.
4: Yes,
1: yeah. I would think that is possible. It's yeah. a very beautiful plant, yeah. that one. It is. It's gorgeous. I've only ever yes. seen it for sale at Karanga, and it's absolutely, It's a native plant. It's absolutely sunny. It's yeah. got
3: WA mostly. Yeah.
1: My yeah. friend
2: Shirley Kahn used to grow them in the garden. Fairly short-lived
3: Oh. Right. Well, I
7: saw them yeah. in Cran- at the Cranbourne Garden, yeah. and then I went to Karanga, and that's where I bought it from. And it's yeah. been beautiful.
4: How but long have you had year, it?
7: About five years.
2: Yeah.
1: So that's one thing to look up. Um, none of us are t- okay. Totally expert mm. on the natives. AB was meant to be here. She probably might know.
7: But oh, th- okay. But the well, thing with the diplomat,
1: ring yeah, ring back yeah. next week yeah. because you'll yeah. have you'll have some very good native people here.
2: Are they are they um, proteaceae?
1: I would imagine, but I'm not sure. But they're you... they're, they're they're West Australian. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're always grafted, and yeah. the fact they're always grafted suggests that they don't like our rich soils. So I would, yeah. if you've overwatered it, that, that could be a problem. But then just. You know, make sure it's—is it in a pot?
7: Yes. Yeah. Well, make it sure is. it's yeah. draining
1: well. Put it. Put the pot on something. To okay. Make. A little yeah. bit of
2: osmocote for natives. No, it's not. Not protea So I'd try feeding it a bit too.
7: Okay.
2: Have you yep. done that?
7: Only, no, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, no. Only a little bit. Yeah. Just, just, yep. just
2: start off ungenerously, and if it yep. responds well, then you get a little bit more generous.
7: Okay, thanks,
1: Craig. Yeah, yeah okay, I'll and
2: of try course, that. coat for natives is very safe. Yep.
1: And the other thing, too, is to put it somewhere where it's happy, i.e. not too cold. Where are you, Frankston? Yeah. That should be all right. And, yeah. and see how it goes after the winter.
7: Okay, I will. Don't, well,
1: right. don't, don't lose your temper with it too quickly. No, no, I'm I'm trying to hang on to it yeah. and, and <laughs> ring in next week and ask John. I'm sure he'll have some very good ideas. He'll know, right, he'll know exactly what yeah. they're very yeah. it's a wonderful, okay, it's a wonderful Virginia. plant. It's really worth trying to preserve. Yeah, it's very yeah. pretty.
7: It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely mm. stunning. Yeah.
1: Well, best okay, of luck, thank, my dear.
7: <laughs> thank you. Have a great trip. Thank,
1: thank you. <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. Yes, I love the Diplolina. Can we just quickly talk about?
2: Cyclamen is I yep, have people coming only... in constantly asking me for white or pink ones. They want to be <laughs> colour specific, <laughs> yeah. which is a completely <laughs> futile exercise because once they start self-seeding, you get both colours anyway. Yeah. So what you really should come in is ask me what I have by way of leaf patterning, mm-hmm. because this is what distinguishes a good hedrophilium from an average one. Is the leaf patterning, and if you look at the the European breeders, they breed them. Purely for the leaf, purely covered. for no. leaf patterning. Little Christmas trees in the middle. That's the right, yep. and they are extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so don't ask for white or pink. Ask for silver leaf or arrow leaf or pewter leaf, um, or a combination, or of, a combination or... of silver <laughs> arrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or a silver pewter. That's a, oh, Sorry, an arrow
3: pewter. We need to take a photo of some leaf patterns, don't we? To. Put I can on do on as too. well because yeah. they're amazing things and yeah. and craig's right and it's very difficult i know they're all from flowering but it's very difficult to guarantee someone that it's that it's pink or white because they've finished flowering um yeah. so you really do go on leaf pattern and things yeah.
2: and the leaves you have for much longer than the flowers Yep, yeah. yeah and they are beautiful and and like i say once they start self-seeding you're going to get mm-hmm. both colors yeah so don't Ever imagine that you're going to have a drift of white cyclamen heterophile? Unless you're going to pull
3: all the pinks out. And yeah, that's
2: right, unless you want to sit down with a knife and yeah, yeah. <laughs> prick out all the pink ones. Yeah.
1: Which would uh, have to be a ridiculous waste of time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You, you know, you, you,
1: and, the, and they sit together beautifully, the pink s- and the white. Cyclamen
2: carpet is two colours. Yes. Yeah. It
3: ha- well, we think it has to be, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. The, it's the a very, Daphne.
2: And it's coming into Daphne season. Yeah, let's do that one. Which is, of course, my favourite.
3: Because a lot of people try and grow Daphne's. So yeah,
2: and there's yeah. a new one on the market. This one is actually Hybrida, which is not seen too often. Yep. I need to smell. Um, So it's like a small, oh, smaller yeah. form of, um, of Odora. of oh, But the, the one that you'll see around now is called Perfume Princess. Yeah, oh, and that's one
3: of your favourites, isn't it? It's a cross yep. between. I love it. It, it. is
2: fantastic. Yum. It's a cross between Balua and Odora. So it's a bit bigger than Odora.
1: And it has a bigger flower, bigger
2: flower, and earlier, so you can extend your season mm. by having both perfume princess and Lodora in the garden. Yeah, yeah.
3: And what's your, you know, we're sort of getting close on time. What's your top five things to do with the Daphne? Like
2: prune to, them after flowering. Yep, yep. Just, just, just,
3: and just 10, tip 10, 10, prune 15 back. Yeah, okay. Just yep. a
2: light prune after flowering, and that will extend their life. Um, mulch them. Yep, they love to humus. Yeah.
1: And do you, am I right in thinking you propagate them in December?
2: Yes. Mm. Yeah. And they look, they're not that easy to strike from cuttings. I mean, yeah. A bit difficult. Yeah. Mm. Well, no. Yeah, you get a low rate in my mm. experience. You know, I'd be inclined just to go and buy one. Yep. And if they start looking sick, pull them out. Get another one. Because they're not going to get better.
1: There was that virus that went around about 15 years ago that wiped out lots of them, isn't yeah. there? But that seems to have disappeared.
2: Yeah, you, look, you get 10 or 15 years out of them. Mm. And if after you know, a 10-year period you start, they start looking a bit crook, just get rid of them.
1: And then I've got at the back door, I've got a, or at the side door, a little white one. Which is facing north
2: mm-hmm. and
1: is doing really well. It's very, I can't remember what it's called, but its it's got a darker leaf. It is one of the hybrids, I think. Yeah. It's a newer one.
2: I, that will be um, Eternal Fragrance, the white form.
1: And it, it is, is remarkably hardy. I mean, most of them do not want to be facing north.
2: Yeah, it's a transatlantic across. Mm-hmm. It's a good one, yeah. But... It, it, and it, it after they flower the Daphnes and just before they come into the leaf growth, they can look a bit miserable and yellow and they'll drop a lot of leaves. And that is not... Uncommon. Uncommon <clears throat> or it's not because they're crook. <clears throat> it's just the time of year that they drop their leaves.
1: And everything <clears throat> has to drop their leaf at some stage. At some
2: stage, <clears throat> that's <clears throat> right. And so... Don't go pulling them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> after he said, "Once it looks dodgy, pull it out." Yeah, yeah But yeah. yeah, yeah. They
2: always look a bit dodgy after they flower. Yep, yeah.
3: yeah. So give it a prune then. And, yeah, yeah, great. Um, and I and I think, what sort of food for Daphne's? Do you think they're
1: hungry? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, everything gets the same um, in my yeah. garden. Yeah. Whatever I've got in the shed, <laughs> um, I usually use a bit of dolomite because we're our soil so acidic. Yep. So the bucket's a mixture of. Campbell's organic life and dolomite,
1: yep, not around your camellias, surely
2: yep, do you yep rhododendrons, yep, but the, we are on such acid soil it doesn't make any difference mm.
1: and of course, for things, some things you need like you need your um dolomite, yeah.
2: It releases the fertiliser, mm. yeah. And, yeah. When, and look, when I say I put them on rhododendrons, I, you know, I'm not going to go piling a whole heap, a whole of, bucket on, whole heap of lime under my yeah. roadies. But if there happens to be a roadie nearby, I don't stop yeah, because of it. Because your
4: lilacs
3: love lime. Yes. Yeah. Um, but having said that, they also don't like
2: a bucket of lime. Yeah. Our, your peonies
3: I, love lime. love
2: lime, yeah. yeah. With, with so, those things that really love lime, I'm inclined to dig a lot of dolomite in when I'm planting them.
3: Exactly, because that's a slow-release right. um, thing yeah. too. You yeah. can, and your garden lime that you can get from your garden centres and things like that, it, it sort of feels like silky sand, yeah, basically. Yeah, to be quite honest. Um, I, I use dolomite. Yeah, I had to use some of that because I couldn't get dolomite and there was a yeah. blood and bone shortage. You should have seen how Jane was then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not happy, yeah. Cranky Jane Cranky Jane yeah.
4: <laughs> We
1: don't know Cranky Jane, thankfully yes. A lot of people do You're no. very
2: familiar with Cranky Craig
1: yeah. <laughs> Cranky Craig with the chainsaw And right. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. the chipper yeah.
1: Terrifying, yes Yes, well I do think that there's something very, very special about those things
2: The Hedropholiums. The Hedropholiums. I just think they're wonderful. They are.
1: And at your place at the moment, they look absolutely – I do think it's a good time to go and visit Craig at the moment, actually, because you can nip down to the um, Arboretum,
3: Periander. And you can go and – See the gardens. Go and see text next week and annoy him. Yes. I'll get a text message in a minute. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and there, there's lots to do in the in the hills at the moment. Um, and I, I think – There always yeah. is. What day are you closed, Craig? Tuesday. Tuesday. So any other day but Tuesday, Craig will be there. Um, and anyone that wants our winter catalogue, sales at tonkinsbulbs.com.au, just send me an email – Um, And thank you to the half a dozen people that did it last fortnight. So So are
2: you still doing retail from the nursery? No, no. no, Didn't work out that well? No.
3: Right. Well, we're
1: just about at the end of our day. So this is the end of Gardening Australia, and I hope you've enjoyed our show. Next week is going to be the Botanic Gardens Week, so do listen. Thank you. (laughs)